you are culture curators with your volunteers, with the people that God has entrusted you with. And so it's of absolute importance. As a matter of fact, if you're just leading songs and doing rehearsals and planning center scheduling stuff, I think we're potentially missing the bigger calling that we have, and that is to create that worship culture. Well, hello, and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show designed for the worship leader that has to do it all. You got hired because you can sing and lead some songs, but then you realize that that's not enough. You have to be an expert at song arranging and communicating with your drummer, even though you don't know how to play the drums or even how to set up a live streaming rig for Facebook. So we are here to help you figure out how to do all of those little extra things that you need to know when you lead a worship ministry. We release a new episode on the first Friday of every single month. So if you haven't already, consider subscribing on whatever app you're using to listen to your podcast on, and you're never going to miss another one. This is episode 30, and my guest today is Drew Powell. He's been a worship pastor. He's even been a lead pastor, but right now he serves at Cross Point Church in the Nashville, Tennessee area as the creative pastor. Drew wakes up every single day, and he works with the music team and the production team and media and communications to help them envision and then create and then pull off what happens on Sunday morning and beyond. And I think this part is unique. He's also in charge of employee culture within the organization of of Crosspoint, helping everyone that's on the team, employees and all that, to to bring their best and, and to make sure that everyone is enjoying every minute of it, that they feel fulfilled in this calling of a vocation that they have. We all want our worship ministries to be a thriving part of the church's mission. We want the band to sound good. It fires us up when we see our congregation connecting with these worship services that we're crafting. And obviously, the life change comes from God working in the lives of people. But when we set that table and we see God breathe life into it, that's exciting. It makes all the stressful parts worth it. Well, A lot of what makes up a successful worship ministry, that secret sauce, if you will, is how you as a leader shape the culture of that ministry and how you pour into the people that you're leading, specifically talking about your team, the band, the singers, the the people that are in the back running tech. So ask yourself this question. Would someone describe the culture of your worship ministry at your church as frustrating or clickish? or boring? I mean, hopefully not. I mean, hopefully they would use words like exciting and fun and meaningful. So if we want a thriving worship ministry, and if a major part of that secret sauce is the culture and the relationships, then it's our job to learn everything that we can to make sure that that happens. And this conversation with Drew is a perfect way for you to grow as a leader in this area. We talk about intentional and practical things that you can do to make sure that your worship ministry is carrying out the overall mission of the church in a powerful and an enjoyable way, and that the people that are on your team feel valued and appreciated, and that their gifts of service matters. So I'm excited for you to hear this conversation in just a second. But first, I wanted to mention that I said in the last episode that we were in the process of getting practical worship shirts made. Well, they have 
arrived. So if you're a fan of the podcast and the YouTube videos and you find yourself holding up a finger or pointing when someone says ideas, tips, and practical advice, I mean, if you just now did the one finger, two finger point, you need this shirt. I've already spent some time at the post office, but I'd love to send you a shirt. So if you go to practicalworshipblog.com and then tap on the store link, you can order a shirt right from your computer or your phone or whatever you're using to listen to this podcast on. We'll also put a link to the store in the show notes page for this episode, which, by the way, is practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast 30. We're going to mention a few things throughout the episode, and as we do, you can find those links on that show notes page. And now, here's my conversation with Drew Powell. Drew Powell, welcome to the show. Man, so good to be on with you, man. Thank you for the invite. First thing I need to tell you, and I I, I don't even know if this is appropriate because we just met, but like... <laughs> I love it already. Dude, your beard game is so strong. <laughs> I am so envious. <laughs> Thank you. That's literally the nicest thing you could say to me. Like the, Everything from this podcast will be downhill for me. I mean, someone compliments my beard... I spend more time on my beard than what I'm actually, I mean, I'm pretty ashamed to say the the foam, the oil, the brush, the whole thing. So there's an art to it. There is an art to, there is to how it's sculpted and all of that. Well, little known fact, I'll just throw this little nugget in there. Me and my brothers actually own a barbershop. So I feel like I have to stay pre- like groomed and, you know, it's like you can't own a barbershop and not look good so it's kind of like the guy that like has the landscaping company that when you drive by his house like his yard looks the worst because he's too busy like, <laughs> you can't do that like no your yard has to look just as good as everyone like exactly how are people gonna take you seriously <laughs> this is great man I, I'm, I'm having so much fun already this is this is the best podcast i've ever been on i love it i'm I just gonna it. spend the whole time just complimenting you in fact your hair your hair is amazing here's why i say thank you here's why i say this so uh, and you may not know this, but those that listen to the podcast, you know, you know, kind of the season I came out of uh, last year in 2020, I was uh, diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. I had no idea. So the good news is, is that after, you know, uh, nine or 10 weeks and three rounds of treatment, I'm cancer free. In fact, the the day that we're recording this podcast this morning, I my doctor's appointment was my two month checkup with the my oncologist and everything's good. Like man. we're, we're rocking and rolling. Praise God, man. That's awesome. But here's the thing. So my hair is starting to come back. Okay. And whenever you go through chemotherapy, your hair can come back different. In fact, like right now, I don't know if you can kind of see it with this webcam, but like, it's kind of, it's dark. Yeah. It's like the salt and pepper kind of darkness. Yeah. Whereas beforehand it was more of a brownish reddish. Really? Yeah. And so, and, and I don't know, like, and it used to be kind of like, it had a little bit of a wave and a curl to it. This might come in straighter. And like the haircut you got, like I might be able to pull that off. Like I, I'm kind of going into this. Like I've never, I've had the same haircut since high school. Like I can, I can yeah. do. There's all these things I can do. You might be able to do a man bun or something, man. You never Maybe. know. The possibilities are endless. I don't know if my wife would go for the man bun, but but there, no, but no. that's in style right now. Yeah, I know, man. I know. And one quick funny story. I know your listeners didn't tune in to hear about my my hair and beard the whole time. But one story about the hair. I'm actually hosting a conference next week in Colorado. We did all the pre-recorded stuff back two months ago. And they took pictures of me then. And they told me I have to wear the same outfit that I wore 
two months ago, which is tough after, you know, after Christmas, when you put on 10 or 15 pounds of fit back in those clothes, but they also said your beard and hair have to look exactly the same because they want to stage it as if it's all happening at the same time. So they want to look, so I had to go into my barber and say, Hey, can you actually make me look just like this again, but next week at this time, you know? So like, it was a little short, a little high and tight today, but I, I do appreciate the compliment. I'm, I'm going into this episode with a renewed confidence. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, I appreciate you being a part of the show. And you're right. What I want to talk about today I, that I think is super important when we lead worship ministries mm-hmm. of any size, small, medium, large, is, is just the relationships with the people that are around us. Because I think a lot of worship leaders, we get into this role because we can sing, we have the ability, we have that talent to be able to sing, we can lead some songs. Someone says, okay, you do a really good job at that. We're going to put you in this role. Well, there's other things that come with it. It's not just you getting up there and continuing to play your acoustic or piano and singing. Like now you're leading people. Now you're in charge of technology. There's all these little extra things that you may or may not be experienced in. You know, right. and I think one of those is as a leader of any kind of ministry, but specifically for worship ministry, being intentional about the the culture of that ministry, yes. that, that in itself is part of the role. And for someone that's just starting out, what are some practical things that they can do maybe to make the culture healthy? In fact, let's even, let's start here. What does that even mean? I think we throw that around like, we want the culture to be healthy in our, our ministry. Like, yeah. what does that even mean? Like, what's the, what's the target on the wall for that? Yeah, that's a, that's a very great question. I mean, uh, culture is huge. It is a bit of a buzzword, and I, I don't know if um, you know. There's great definitions out there, but it is probably one of the most important things we do as leaders. We are curators of our culture, um, whether it's organizational culture. Part of my job at Crosspoint is not just leading the creative team, but also curate the employee culture for Crosspoint. We've got eighty to one hundred employees, you know, somewhere in there, and my job is to help create a culture for them that we kind of boil it down to three things. I want I want them to be growing spiritually, growing closer to God. I want them to be growing as leaders. So I want there to be leadership development and coaching. So we do like a Crosspoint University thing. But this might just be the Enneagram 7 in me. But I want them to be having fun too. I want them to feel, and for me, it's more than it's fun. It's about purpose. I want them to get up every morning and love what they do. And so for us as leaders, no matter the scope of your ministry, whether you're leading, you know, most all of us are leading volunteers if we're not leading staff. So in your worship ministry, even if you're not speaking into the overall organization, you are culture curators with your volunteers, with the people that God has entrusted you with. And so it's of absolute importance. As a matter of fact, if you're just leading songs and doing rehearsals and planning center scheduling stuff, I think we're potentially missing the bigger calling that we have, and that is to create that worship culture. So I think the biggest thing is even to define it, like to have like for, so for us, I'm big on words and language almost to where, you know, my team gets tired of me coming up with new like acronyms, all this kind of stuff. But I think without language, having the, that language matters. And so when I, when I stepped in this role, we were going through a bit of an unhealthy season as organizations tend to do, you know, health is always a journey, you know, so there's, there's, you never reach it as a destination. So you're always fighting for it. But when I stepped in this role, it was a little, we were unhealthy. And so I, I really wanted to define what a healthy culture looked like for our team, you know? And so back to your original question, I think if I had to put it down to, to, to three things in general that a healthy culture is, first of all, it'd be clear vision. 
Like, I think there has to be clear vision as to where you're going with the mission you're trying to accomplish, the, the piece of the pie, if you will, of what your church is, is there to serve in your city. Um, you might be great at discipleship, evangelism. You might be a worship culture that is trying to reach people outside far from God, or you might be a worship culture that's very, you know, demonstrative, whatever it is, you need to have clear vision as to what you're trying to accomplish with your worship. The second one, you have to have values, but not just aspirational values, like actual values that are part of your, your everyday vernacular. So at Crosspoint, this is something I inherited. When I got here, the organizational values were all over our walls and very much a part of our everyday language. And so that's huge. And then the third one is you have to have leadership, senior leaders, worship pastors, leadership that actually cares about the, the health of the people they serve. Like culture has to matter to them. They have to prioritize culture. We have, you know, my position is culture, but I also have someone who works directly for me that is a director of employee. Her whole job is to curate culture at Crosspoint because we care about it. So when I stepped into Crosspoint, we had a, we had a great, we had great values. We had great organizational values, stuff like set the table and use your blinker and give ministry back and lean into the last 10%, all these things on our walls that was like part of our everyday language. But our creative team was unhealthy. It was one of the larger teams. And I felt like we needed some specific language to our creative team. So on our creative team, it's everything from video to worship, to communications, to marketing, to live experience. I mean, it's the whole deal. So we came up, me and I have a creative leadership team is what I call them. We sat down and we said, okay, let's define what a healthy culture looks for. So we came up with this thing called the health code. I wanted to make it memorable. So every letter of health stands for something. And for us, it's, it's heart, it's excellence, it's adaptability, it's loud, it's together, and it's humble. And we have, we have definitions for each one of those things. And so for us to be a healthy culture, we have to have those things. We have to have heart, excellence, adaptability, loud, together, humble. And so for us, it's the thing that we go back to, to know, are we healthy? Well, I think that the important thing here too, is that you sat down and said, okay, what do we want this to look like? Yes. And you, and you kind of took spiritual inventory of like, okay, Culture is there whether it's good or bad. That's right. And, you know, you, you can look at it and say, okay, we might value this because it's on our wall. We might say we do, but we actually value this other thing because this is how we act. Yes. But the fact that you sat down for a moment and said, okay, what do we want this to look like? And how would you describe it and to be able, you know, and then have like these little working pieces, you know, whether it be language or whatever, where it could just go into and permeate into uh, into the everyday. I had a conversation with Todd Fields on the podcast, you know, a year or so ago. What I loved about him, what he said was that he's like, you know, leadership is just these little, it's like, the, it's not the big moment. It's not the big speech. It's the little whispers. It's the daily little whispers. Yes. And I loved that so much. Yeah. He's so wise. I mean, Todd, I mean, what a, what a hero and, and, you know, in the church, but yeah, that's, you're exactly right. And it's nuanced culture. It happens in the hallways, man. It's like, it's, it's, it's nuanced there. And then, so I think for me to answer your question, I think the culture, when we define it, we give clarity and language to it. And then we audit, you know, like for instance, I'll just give one example. Excellence is part of our health code. We don't celebrate the product. We celebrate the process and the evaluation. That's what excellence is for us. So we have to define it. So if we get done, say with Christmas Eve, for example, we get done with Christmas Eve. If we pulled off a great Christmas Eve program, 
but the process was jacked and then we didn't evaluate it to see how we could do better. We wouldn't actually describe it as excellent. Only one of the three parts was excellent, but it wasn't as a whole excellent. So there's things like that that we can go back to and say, okay, or for even for me as a leader, I'll go down through the things and say, okay, heart. Is my, is my team operating with a lot of heart? If I feel the passion about what they get to do loud for us is about taking risks. Are we taking risks? Are we, are we, are we doing, are we getting out of our comfort zone? You know, so I can go back and audit is our creative team culture healthy. And just one other side note I'll throw in is that I just think if you do decide to develop language for your creative team or worship team, just make sure that it's submitted to the overall organ. Like the health code doesn't trump the organizational values. They, they support them. It's kind of how we live out the organizational values. And so at the end of the day, we have virtues, we have values, and then we have this health code, but they're not in competition with one another because what you'll end up doing is creating a subculture, and that's really unhealthy. You want to make sure, like before I implemented this, I went to our, our senior leader and our new our lead team, and I said, hey, here's what I'm thinking, and got air coverage and kind of the endorsement because I wanted to make sure it fit under the global church culture and that I wasn't trying to create a subculture because I was maybe disgruntled with the organizational culture. I wanted to do it different or whatever. No, I just wanted a better way to implement our global organizational culture, if that makes sense. Yeah, to, you know, if this is what our organization, our church as a whole, if this is what we're about, how does the worship ministry fit into that? And, you know, because production is going to be different. Yeah. Um, small groups is going to be different in terms of like how they do, because they're different functions of the church. But just like if you're building a house or building any kind of structure, maybe I'm guilty of this, but you go into Lowe's, you know, maybe you're going to like build like a, you know, something in the backyard, like a doghouse or whatever. And you, mm-hmm. you go into Lowe's, you're like, well, I think I need this and I need that. And I'm not really sure what I'm going to do just yet. It's like, no, if you want that to be a successful project, if you want it to be to actually look like a doghouse when you're done, yeah, having the end in mind as far as like, okay, what do I want this to look like? Do I want it to be big, small? Do I want it to, you know, how do I want this to function? Good. And then work backwards yes, and begin to like work towards, okay, well, what do we need to do to accomplish that? And I think, you know, it, we can all get in that trap, especially if this is kind of our first rodeo and I've never led people before. And, you know, I've got these two singers and I can't schedule them the same weeks because they kind of fight and bicker over what songs we do. And, you know, and just all the <laughs> other things that come with church, you laugh like that's never happened in your church. I've never experienced <laughs> never that before. That would be brand new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but so we, 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 and we get into, we get into the mode of like, okay, let's go do the thing, you know, and being, you know, maybe taking a moment and stepping back or let me say it this way. We get in that mode of like, well, Sunday's always coming. And so I don't even know if I have time to, and I find myself in that situation, but I have to like create those moments where I close the door or even go to a completely different location where people can't find me for a moment and just take a morning and go, what do I want this to look like? What 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 do I feel like God is calling me to to create, and what are the different spokes and all that? Yeah. And it's just carving out the time to like just think think with the end in mind. Right. Work. You know, the old thing about working on it, not in it. Ministry. You said it. I mean, we joke and say Sundays come around every three days because this is you're in the grind. This you have to create intentional margin to get out, work on it, not in it, or you'll just stay blinded, you know? And so I, it's funny you mentioned this because I didn't expect to talk about this, but we just yesterday, I encouraged my whole team in the month of January to take what I call a dream day, which is just a time to go. It's not an off day, but it's also a day. I don't want you working. I don't want you in base camp. I don't want you in Slack. I don't want you playing center, whatever your program is. Just take a day and dream. I want to take a day and, and, you know, hear from God, you know? And so you got to build that into your rhythms. If you're so wise in saying that, it's good. 
I think sometimes it's really easy for us to see our our volunteers, whether it be, you know, like in your case, you've got staff, you've got people that this is their their daily grind. A lot of us, you know, at, at smaller churches, we have teams, they're just, they're volunteers. And so there's a little bit of a dynamic, but it's really easy to see those people for what they do. Like, well, he plays guitar, she plays keys, he runs sound. I need this task from you. If we're not careful, uh, we can kind of fall into a trap where we're just kind of seeing that person for what they do. But part of the reason why I feel like God puts those people in our lives, the music's almost an excuse to some degree where it's like, because that person can play piano, now you get to be in their lives and shepherd them and, you know, and, and be there for them, pray for them and, and build that relationship. So talk to a little bit to that as far as like how to take it one step further to build the relationships with the people that are on your team. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the majority of my ministry to this point has been not leading staff in the worship, mostly leading volunteers. And so that's, that's the majority of where I've I've been. And one thing I've been guilty of, and it's, you know, it's easy to fall into this, so I get it, but guilty of recruiting them to a task, like you were saying, you know, it's because I got to, we got to fill the spots for Sunday. We got to get, you know, got to have someone running the computer. I got another red decline on planning center. What am I going to (laughs) do? Come on. Yeah, exactly. And what we want to do is we don't want to invite them to a task. We want to invite them into a community. And so usually what we end up doing is saying, I'm going to invite you to this task. I'm going to do this. And then secondary, I'm going to, maybe we'll have a cookout or something and we'll get to know each other or whatever. We're trying to actually, and this is relatively new for us at Crosspoint as well. We're trying to actually turn that to where we're first inviting you to community, whether you serve or not. Again, we live in uh, an artistic community here in Nashville. We got a lot of people who travel and are gone. And I tell my team all the time, I was like, I want the spouses of the, the people that are traveling to want that spouse to serve on the team because of how well we care for their family. And so what I want is people to be discipled. One, one quick, can I tell you a real quick story? So I was in North Carolina on vacation with my family this last summer, and I was, I was journaling. I was just trying to hear from God. And I said, God, I want to know what does it look like to be a great creative pastor? And God speaks to me. Um, I, I don't hear from God real well. I'm not one of those people, but when I do feel like I hear from him, he speaks to me very it's direct and I accept it as kindness, but it's almost, it feels like he's being mean a little bit, but that's not how I receive it. But he just said to me, he's like, Drew, you're not a creative pastor. You're a creative director because you're not pastoring the hearts of the people that you, that you lead and you serve. And I was like, man, ouch. Okay. So then it just took me on this rabbit trail. Like, okay, what is that? What does it look like? So I, I sent a, a message over to, to someone on our team who leads our volunteers. And I said, Hey, would you send me the list? of all of our active volunteers on our team. Cause I want to pray for them by name. I want to start praying for them that God would like really move my heart towards them. So they send me the list and I had no idea that church our side, there was like 600 volunteers, active volunteers on this list. I had no idea. I couldn't have told you that. I didn't know the number. And I was like, man, I'm gonna have to adjust my strategy. Cause I don't know if I'm gonna get through all 600 by name but what ended up doing in, in me, uh, God was saying, how are you pastoring this, this community, this church? So I don't care if you've got 10 or you've got 10,000, how are you pastoring and discipling this thing? And so we, we've put together that we're going to implement this year, this idea of a creative collective, what we want. And, our, and again, I told you I'm about language, about words, but what the creative collective is, is to disciple creatives in the context of community so that their art reflects the heart of Jesus, our creator. 
So what I want is that whether you're serving at Crosspoint or you're writing music outside of Crosspoint or you're on the road with whatever country artists or CCM artists, that your art is a reflection of what God, what how you're being discipled, what God is doing. So it's about getting into community and scripture. And then out of that discipleship and community, we serve. So what I love is for people to come into the creative collective at Crosspoint just to be discipled. They may never serve with us on a weekend. They may never serve with us on our, in our social media or, or name the thing, but that's okay because wherever they're creating art, whether they're, they're creating art on the production team or creating art for them personally, it's a reflection of the discipleship efforts that are, that are happening. And so I think as, as, as creative leaders, when we, it goes back to culture, when we cultivate that, that culture of, I want something for you, not from you. I know that's cliche to say, and we, that's being overused, but it's so true. Like we, I want something for you when you serve at cross point or, or whatever church, you know, you represent, I want you to feel like we're investing in you as a leader, as an artist, as a technician, whatever it is. And then if you serve great, but I want you to have friends here. I want you to have community here. I want you to have that one phone call when things get tough. And so that is something that we're implementing even now, even this year to try to get better at. Um, I think it's important. Drew, are you ready now for the bonus round? Oh man, bring it. This is what I've been looking forward to. Of course you have. Come on. Okay. Come on. I'm the seven. I, I want to get, I want to get to the fun stuff. This is all fun stuff. What am, who am I kidding? <sighs> okay. Bonus round coming at three and in two, one coffee or tea. Oh, coffee. I'm drinking it right now. Early riser or night owl. Early riser, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. You say that like the stereotype is that you're supposed to be, yeah. you know, this guy that's <laughs> out until two or three in the morning. Up late creating and sleeping until noon. I mean, that's creative. You know, that kind of thing. No, no, I'm, an, I'm, I'm best in the morning. I love it. I go to bed early. Favorite TV or Netflix show? Well, I was a devout Office fan. Like literally watch Office every night to fall asleep. But they took it off Netflix, so I don't. I don't know what I am now. I don't. I don't know what I'm gonna do. You know, they put it on another streaming service. Like, there's another place you can go to get it, right? Do I have to pay for it though? I don't know if I. If I have to pay for it, I'm out. But no, <sighs> I'd have to say Office is my go-to. Cat or dog? Dog. Rottweiler. In and Out or Chick Fil A? Oh. Can I still go to heaven if I choose In and Out? I mean, I, I got to go with the Christian chicken, right? Like Chick Fil A. I, I would probably actually go in and out. Yeah. We don't have an in and out in Nashville, but I, I love a red meat type of guy. I love a good burger and fries, man. That would be like my desert island. If I get stuck on desert island, gotta have it. I, I would take cheeseburger and fries with me. I love it. Crunchy or creamy? That's such a weird question. I love it. Uh, oh man, what, a, what? I guess it depends on what we're talking. About. I think crunchy. I think crunchy, crunchy peanut butter. Crunch. I think I'm a crunchy guy. Yeah. First record or CD you ever purchased? Oh, I was a church boy, man. So probably the first one I ever purchased. It probably was Carmen or Petra or maybe Come a Big on. Ten Revival or PFR. I don't know. I it's probably some CCN DC Talk. Probably. I mean, it's I don't remember what it was, but I was. You were probably jamming to DC Talk like in the Heaven Bound days. Like you were probably like oh, in, like yeah. the early adopter. 
I was new thing, man. I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was early on. I went to one of my first concerts was Carmen, man. I mean, I just, and my dad, this is a random thing. My dad was early on with the Gaithers. He was in the Gaither trio as a guitar player. So I grew up Southern gospel. Okay. So my, we, when I was a little kid, I traveled on the tour bus with the Gaithers. I mean, this is, that was my, so if you want to go Southern gospel now, I can go, I can go round for round for you all day long, but yeah, Dude, my first secular quote unquote was Hootie and the Blowfish. And I took it to youth camp with me, and they confiscated it and made me like throw it away. So that's my rebellious stage was was Hootie. Was Hootie? That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Drew with the bonus round. Give it up for Drew Powell. That was that was fun, man. I love that. I'll probably want to go back and change my answers when I think about it. But that was awesome. Uh, no, it's out. It's it's whatever comes out. That's what. That's how we roll. So and it's there now. Well, and, and like for me, like, you know, you can ask me what my favorite book is or podcast or whatever. Whatever answer I give you today is going to be different than tomorrow. So it's just a, it's a snapshot of life. I'm like, oh, I should have said this book. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question that's a little bit self-indulgent on my part. Okay. Uh, but since I have you and you're so knowledgeable and you have, you know, all this experience and, you know, and you even had a moment where you were a lead pastor at a church. So I, I'm going to describe my situation, but I think there's a lot that people can kind of care from this. Okay. Um, so we have a new lead pastor at the church that I'm at as of January, right at the beginning of the year, new guy coming in. And, uh, and I, that relationship between the worship pastor and the senior pastor yeah. is just so important. What, so what would you say if like, if we're sitting there at uh, what's a really good coffee shop in Nashville? Barista Parlor. Okay, we're at Barista Parlor, and we're just hanging out, kicking back, you know, both of us sporting really good hair. I've got a man bun. It's all good. Um, and <laughs> My beard is perfectly groomed. Drinking it dark. Um, and we're just <laughs> kicking back. Like, What would you tell me as far as like making sure that we have the strongest, healthiest relationship that we can between the two of us? How, how can I learn to lead up and, and to serve him well? What would you tell me? Yeah, man. I mean, I... I feel like I could talk for hours on this because I, I love this just because like you mentioned, I was a lead pastor for a while. And so I, I know a little bit of, of that struggle and, and I won't go into the whole story, but it, it, it definitely was hard on me. Like I went through a season of burnout and, and it was tough. I mean, being a lead pastor was really, really difficult. And so um, I think it's given me a sensitivity and an empathy for my lead pastor of what he may be carrying and so it's it's really important for me to serve him well because I know a little bit of what I I wanted in a worship pastor when I was a lead pastor, right? And so what 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 did you want in a in a worship pastor? Yeah. So the first thing is this: I, I wanted alignment. I wanted to make sure that we were speaking the same language and we were on the same page. And so even when Kevin, so I was in this seat when Pastor Kevin came in. So I have a little bit of experience of a new senior leader coming in and not knowing, let's just be honest, not knowing if I was going to be his guy or not. Like I didn't know if we were going to mesh or we were going to connect or if he had a different vision than what I thought, you know, God was calling me to. And so fortunately for, he got some great advice from Jeff Henderson. Um, it's, he's kind of like a, a, a big brother, father figure for our church and um, from North Point. And so Jeff told Kevin, he said, when you go in, don't do any, don't change anything the first year. Just ask questions, learn the people, get to know them, whatever. And so we spent a lot of time that first year just getting to know each other. Turned out we are two peas in a pod. We love the same things. Actually, like we are aligned and connected naturally. But we have worked really hard on our relationship to be on the same page. And I 
I will say this, he's very relational, has worked hard, but I also, I carried the burden of responsibility of getting to know him, invest in him. And so I just asked questions like crazy, man. Like I just was asking, and we have a really unique situation because I was on the hiring team that actually hired him. It's funny, like on one day I'm like basically choosing him to be my leader. And then the next day he's my leader, you know? And so we've, so I'm, I'm in a really great situation where he was the one I picked. Like I wanted him to be our pastor. And so that was, it was pretty cool in that, that regard. But I feel like alignment is so key because, you know, it's, it's really simple, but two visions is division, right? And so as a worship leader or a creative pastor, I got to, I got to be locked in and submitted. And, and honestly, the biggest champion and probably the best mouthpiece for his vision, like I need to be able to, you know, speak his vision when he's on the room to my team and to my volunteers. And it's got to be something where he, if he hears me talk, he's like, yep, that's it. That's what I want for our worship. And if I can just be candid, I I think if you don't have the same alignment, the same heart, then you don't need to try to change him or her. You don't want, you don't need to manipulate, you don't need whatever. It probably means you need a new assignment. Like, I think it's time to, to find that spot where you can. Now, I'm not saying everything you don't, you know, stylistically agree on is a deal breaker, but I'm just saying you got to decide what are those deal breakers. And if it's not, it, it doesn't need to be a big dramatic thing, but don't, don't stay in a place where you don't feel like you can wholeheartedly give your heart to the mission and vision of the senior leader. It's your responsibility as a worship pastor or as a creative to find out the things that he cares about, what keeps him up at night, what makes his heart beat fast, what is he, what's his personal mission and vision. And so alignment, I would say another, another thing is I want to be for my pastor. I want to be the person he wants to call with an idea. I don't want to be the creative that he's got an idea and he's like, man, I don't know how I'm going to pitch this to Drew because whether I hit him with why we can't do it or with negativity or whatever. So if he calls me or texts me, he actually called me this morning and he started out to drag an idea. And I always interrupt him. I say, man, you know what that does? Oh man, I'm, I love it already. What is it? Well, you know what? Cause I just want him to feel energy from me. Like, because again, I've been in that seat where I know I'm, as a lead pastor, they're they're wrestling with God. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. They're wrestling with God as to what's best for their church, right? And sometimes that idea doesn't come till the last minute. And now he's got to call somebody and share that idea, already feeling insecure, already feeling vulnerable, already wondering, God, is this really you? Trying, really trying the best to get what God wants for the people that that he or she is serving. And so I want to be the person to say, man, I want to do everything. I want to leverage any influence I have with my team to help you get there. And because I've already invested relationally, I do feel the freedom not to be yes, man, but to say, Kevin, I love that idea. I think that's great. Here's what this is going to cost. Like this might mean our team has to work through the night. Um, Do you still feel passionate? Like, and I'm happy to give you air coverage. I never say pastor Kevin wants us to do this. I never say that. I mean, I'm happy to take that bullet for you and I'm happy to to lead that if I need to, but because he is a caring, get back to culture because he does care about our employees and our staff and our volunteers. Sometimes when I educate him, you know, again, our lead pastors, they don't, they don't always know what it takes to pull off what you're doing, what, what creatives are doing. Sometimes when I educate him, he's like, Oh no, 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 no. It's not that big a deal. I didn't know it was going to take all that. No, forget it. Oh, I don't, don't want to do that. Or I'll go back to him and say, Hey, do you still want to chase that idea? And he's like, Oh no, I'm moving on to something else. Or what if they, he has an idea and he, he starts describing what he wants to see. And then he kind of gives an idea of like, well, and this is like the roadmap as far as like how to do it. And you're like, I don't think that that's going to accomplish what you want. What if we did this? Absolutely. It's a, it's, it's the yes. And yeah, that's great. What about this? What about, you know? And so 
And I ask a lot of questions. I've got forms that I use in like in planning meetings where I'm just I'm mining, constantly mining for what's what God's doing in him, what's in his heart, what's in his mind. I mean, I was on the phone call with him right before this podcast where he's he's wanting to experiment. I just asked him questions. I just questioned, well, okay, what would you like to see come out of that? How can we best serve you in this moment? How can you whatever? Like, I'm just asking tons of questions, trying to get so, you know, because again, now I happen to serve a very creative leader, creative thinker very humble man. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm very, I'm blessed. I I've, I will say I've been in scenarios where that hasn't been true for me. So if that's not your case, you're listening to that. I, I, I see you, I get it. I hear you. That's not always the case. I happen to be in a good scenario. Um, but I'm constantly mining. I mean, that's the thing as creatives, like we have to be sold out, passionate, almost obsessive over knowing and finding out what God is saying to our senior leader. I'm all, always asking, God, what's God talking to you about? What is he telling you? What are you reading right now? Where are you at in scripture? Like I'm mining so that I can serve that. That's what I'm called to do. I'm ultimately called to serve God. But as long as I'm here at Crosspoint, I'm submitted and serving the vision of my senior leader. What I find, what I'm finding is that when we do that as creatives, typically when our senior pastor knows we have his back, whenever we typically get the relationship we actually want with our pastor. Like I have been in the scenario where I've seen my pastor as the enemy and we, we butted heads constantly. When I was a lead pastor, I actually called every other pastor I ever served and actually apologized to them because I said, man, I had no idea what you were carrying. And I'm sorry for the times where I was a pain in the butt. And when I did, you know, those type of things, because I saw them as the person I needed to either manipulate or control or change their mind, or I want them to have my idea and all that kind of stuff. Man, anymore, I don't care. You know, it's the the best idea wins thing. I I could care less if it's my idea, even if it's my preference, if I like the style, whatever. I just want what works. I want what's effective, what moves people. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. I want whatever it takes for that to happen. In America right now, specifically, we're quite literally killing our pastors. You know, our pastors are are struggling and. I want to be the person that's helping hold up their arms like they did with, with Moses in Scripture when they're fatigued. I want to be that person doing that. And again, don't hear me say this does not mean we're, we're yes men and women. This doesn't mean we just have to take everything they say. It's just about being real and honest. But it's, it really more anything is about humility. We've got to humble ourselves as creatives and say, man, it's just not about the dope feature or whatever we're trying to do or the cool video or the cool song. It's about... What is, what is the vision of our church, the vision of senior leader, and how do I serve to fulfill that mission and vision? And again, I'm assuming that the senior pastor is healthy and connected with God, and all, I'm, I'm making those assumptions when I'm saying this. But if that is true, then fight for alignment, fight for clarity, fight for that healthy relationship. I think for a lot of us, it's easy to get tunnel vision and to focus on on the things that like need to get done. We have to pick songs and print off charts and put lyrics into Pro Presenter when we're at rehearsal. We're focused on making sure everything sounds good and that we're ready for Sunday. And all of that is important. I think the details matter. But I don't think you can spend too much time on building culture, sharing that vision, communicating the target on the wall, making sure that the people on your team are in a healthy place. Culture is not something that you fix Overnight, I've been leading worship for almost 25 years, and sometimes I feel like I'm just scraping the surface of getting this all figured out. 
And maybe you're struggling in this area. Maybe you're doing everything that you know to do to create a thriving worship environment, but rehearsals are frustrating, or people are always declining you on Planning Center, or you watch the live stream back on Monday and you're like, this just sounds bad. I think there's a way that I can help you if that's something that you're interested in. I started making myself available for coaching calls. We can get on a FaceTime call or a Zoom meeting, and over the course of an hour, we can talk through some solutions and some practical step-by-steps that you can take to make things better for you, for the people on your team and the people in the congregation, and just for the ministry as a whole. I've been a part of of worship teams since high school. I've been a worship pastor at two different churches. I've traveled with other worship leaders, either as a drummer or a sound guy across the United States and worked with hundreds of different churches in the process. And I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but I have been fortunate to have done a lot of different things in the area of worship ministry and the Christian music industry, and I've learned from those experiences. So if you would say that you're stuck in your worship ministry and you want to help get unstuck, let's set up a coaching call. It's really simple. Just go to practicalworshipblog.com slash coaching, and you can schedule a time right there. And here's the thing. Let's say within 30 days of our call, you say that I don't think that was helpful, that that practical worship guide, he doesn't even know what he's talking about. That's 100% fine. Just let me know. I'll refund your money. No hard feelings. You don't even have to give me a reason. I just want to help where I can and make it as risk-free as possible. There's a show notes page for this episode, whether it's a link for the coaching calls that you're looking for or something else that we mentioned in the episode, you can find it at practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast 30. Hey, if you have made it this far into the podcast, do this for me. Take a screenshot right now and then Take that, share it on social media. Let me know, let me see where you're listening from and what you're doing right now as you're listening to the podcast. I really I really enjoy doing that. I like seeing that. And what you can do when you post it on social media, tag me in it by using at Dave Dolphin okay. And let me see what you're up to and what you're doing and how you're listening to all this. And thanks to everyone, by the way, that has written an honest five-star review and rating on iTunes and on the iOS podcast app. This is what iTunes uses to suggest this podcast to other people that have similar interests. So the more people that rate and review the podcast, the more that iTunes is going to recommend this podcast to other people just like us that can benefit from this content. And if you're listening to this from Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or Stitcher, I'm glad you're here as well. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again next month. I'm going to do a man bun or something, man. You never know. The possibilities are endless.